morning, everyone. Hope you are doing okay. We've got a problem with one of my microphones, so I'm on this one. Um, but yes, greetings. Are you all okay? Cool. Well, most of you aren't sure. It, it wasn't rhetorical. It was an actual question. Uh, are you okay? Oh, okay. That's, that's good. You can say no as well. That's honestly fine. We'll get you some help. Um, so we are ploughing through our culture series. Uh, we are so near the end. Hopefully it will come up in a minute and you will be able to see it. Uh, but you may have got one of these. Um, these are still available if you w- would like one. Culture Journal. Just hands up if you've got one of these. Oh, loads of you. Cool. Yeah. It's all right, isn't it? Um, we did have a wobbly table at home, but it's just right under one of the legs. No, I'm kidding. It's, um, we've just finished our culture group. It's, it's been really, really good. Uh, still uh, very much appreciating it. Um, so culture, I'm just waiting. Are the slides going to come up? If not, I will plough through them. Yes, they are. Thank you so much. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, uh, culture, as we know, the environment we curate to nurture the things we wish to see. Think of it like a greenhouse. If you're trying to grow certain things, you'll want the conditions to be a certain way, right? So that's uh, what it is. And this, this is what we've been through. And this is where we are up to. Grey is done. White is yet to be done. Red is today. So we celebrate risk as we pursue the impossible is the theme for today. Now, we normally read these out. If you think I'm going quite fast, that's because I am. Because I'm just getting through all this bit. Um, worship overrunning. How shocking. How awful to be in a church where worship overruns. Uh, number 10, we celebrate risk as we pursue the impossible. 10A, we believe that faith means trying. So faith is spelt R-I-S-K. 10B, we embrace mystery, not always having to understand what God is doing. And 10C, we believe there is no growth without risk. And we place risk higher than success, encouraging people to be courageous. Now, Chris tackled this two weeks ago, I think it was. Um, But yes, here we go. Here is the theme for the day. Now, sometimes when you do a talk, I obviously used to be a teacher, um, and you never actually lose that. So sometimes in a, in a lesson, the idea is that the kids would be with you for that hour or whatever. I was primary, um, reception through to year six. So um, I, you would have the kids for that hour and you'd say, okay, what is it that they don't currently know that by the end they could really do with knowing? Or what is it they can't currently do that by the end you really hope they will be able to do? And sometimes you'd tell them right up front. And other times you'd let them work it out. And you'd come to this big, da-da, like that. But with you, I'm telling you at the beginning, this is the end. So the question is that we celebrate risk as we pursue the impossible. Why? Because our God can do the impossible, and so can we. Okay, good. Good, you're you're quiet this morning. So (laughs) our God does the impossible, Okay, that's, that's good. If, if it doesn't excite you, it might by the end. Um, has anyone ever actually seen what you would consider a miracle? You've seen evidence of one. This involves raising your hand. Okay, like this. Just put your hand up if you've seen a miracle happen. Okay, so n- a number of you. Um, that's good. <laughs> wow. You lot, 
honestly, what is going on? It's so like it's so quiet. Um, just like say yeah, like that. Go. Yeah. Oh, okay. Voices are working. That's good. I thought maybe you all had laryngitis, like all of you, all at once, acutely. After the worship, I'm so hoarse after the worship. Um, but we're just going to read a little bit here. I'm going to put it up on the screen. I don't always. But Jesus has been in a bit of a chat uh, with this rich young ruler who came to him and said, what have I got to do to inherit eternal life? That's what he comes and asks Jesus. And Jesus um, says, well, you need to like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Honor your father, mother, blah, 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 like this. And the, the man says, well, I, I've done all these things. And Jesus says, okay, well, in that case, there's one thing you lack, which is you need, to, you need to go and give all your money away. Not because he shouldn't have money, but because the money was meaning he wasn't trusting and wasn't having that relationship. And then Jesus, cutting in here, verse 23, Jesus looked at the faces of, of his disciples and said, how hard it is for the wealthy to enter into God's kingdom realm. Now, not because they have wealth, but because when we have wealth, we rely on wealth, right? You'll see this as we go along today. And so this man had gone away sad because Jesus said, well, you get, the only thing I can see blocking you from trusting is all the wealth that you've got. Go and give it away and then you'll have treasures in heaven type thing. And the man went away sad. The disciples' chins hit the floor. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but like they did now. Jesus looked at the faces of his disciples and said, how hard it is for the wealthy to enter into God's kingdom realm. The disciples were startled when they heard this. But Jesus again said to them, children, it's next to impossible for those who trust in their riches to find their way into God's kingdom. It's easier to stuff a rope through the eye of a little needle than for a wealthy person to enter into God's kingdom. But this left them all the more astonished. And they whispered to one another, oh, God, we're sunk. Um, anyone know? How did you, you get saved? Does anyone, like, can any of us? Can any of us do this? Um, and I love the fact that Jesus picks up on this. So they're having this little chat among themselves. Jesus has just said, this is how hard it is. And they're having this little, little chat amongst themselves saying, oh, my goodness. Then, like, who, who, how, how is this ever going to work? And Jesus says, he looks at them and replies, with, with people, this is impossible. But not with God. God makes all things possible. And if you look at the um, New International, the NIV, it says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. With man, this is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. So, There are things that are impossible as far as we would consider them, but they become possible because to God they're possible. So when we talk about the impossible, when we look at this culture statement, we celebrate risk as we pursue the impossible. The reason the impossible is in like inverted commas is because people say, oh, that's impossible. We don't actually think it is impossible. It's just considered impossible. You'll see. Again, it will all become clearer. So I'm going to ask you a question. And you can turn to someone near you and um, have a conversation about this. And it's, the question is this. If we are living a life we can manage without God, then we're not living a life that's from God. Just have a little chat amongst yourselves in a little group 
What do you make of that? You've got a couple of minutes, have a proper chat, find someone who'll actually talk to you. Hopefully none of you are chatting about what you're having for lunch. Okay, just um, be wrapping up. So here's the rub, right? God invites us into a life that pursues the impossible. So if we are in any kind of relationship with God, we should be regularly seeing things that many people would consider, well, that's impossible. You're like, I totally agree. Most people would consider that impossible. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible, right? Yes, Chris, brilliant. Okay, this is good. So I'm just going to go through from the Bible a few impossibles. So the first one is this one. Um, Noah's impossible. Now, Noah, you can find this back all the way back at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 6 through to chapter 8. Noah, um, uh, Bob Newhart. Anyone remember Bob Newhart? I don't think he's died, is he? I think he's still alive, isn't he? I think he's still alive. Anyway, he sometimes does these monologues and there's one of them that is called it's, it's Nutty Noah, and Nutty Noah is ringing up the local woodyard, asking for more wood because he's building a boat in the middle of the desert. And, um, and they make a joke and like, oh, I've got Nutty Noah on the line. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you want some more wood, do you? What, for your boat? Your boat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen to this, honestly, like that. Um, yeah, he does it better than I do. I, I will say that. But it says, it says in Genesis 6, the world had become wicked and, in quotes, Every inclination of the thoughts of the humans, human heart were only evil all of the time. So Noah built a boat in the desert. It's difficult to know exactly how long it took Noah to build this boat, but it's estimated to be somewhere around 30 to 50 years to build this boat in a desert. So you haven't just got to maintain some faith for three months. You've got to keep this going for 30 to 50 years. <laughs> that certainly is. <laughs> so his next impossible was to get two of every kind of animal aboard. 
seven of animals that were considered clean, ritually clean. Seven pairs. Have you tried getting a pair of mosquitoes onto a boat? I would consider that impossible. You would think elephants is going to be tricky. The mozzies, they're a pain, right? Noah took his wives and the families and all of the animals and shut himself in the ark in the desert because he told everyone, God has said it's going to rain. Okay, so picture, (laughs) You, you are in the middle of a desert region. You've spent 30 to 50 years, nutty Noah, building a boat. And then you say, God's told me it's going to rain. And then you've persuaded all your family. You've got all the animals in from elephants to mozzies. You've got them all in. And then you say to your family, it's time. We need to go in and we need to shut the door. Tar, pitch, da-da-da, seal it up. We're going in. We've got food in there. We've got supplies in there. So there they are in a boat in the desert. It's baking hot. And they're waiting for it to rain. I would consider that with man, this is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. There is actually reasonably good evidence to suggest that until that point, that it had never actually rained. That water instead had come from the surface of the deep and it was watered that way rather than rain. So this, was a new, this makes it even more miraculous. He's waiting for something that's never been seen before. This is another impossible. You might know uh, this story, David's Impossible. This is in one, uh, the book of 1 Samuel 17 in the Old Testament. You can find it. Now, David uh, was, there were the Israelites, the Israelites and the Philistines were at war. And what they did to rather than like everyone wipe each other out, the Philistines got their biggest, ugliest, hairiest guy who was considered to be something like eight foot tall or something, and they put him out the front, and they say, right, you pick one of your side to come and fight with me. Whoever wins, the, the other army surrenders. Is that, is that a deal? And then it saves a load of bloodshed and a load of mess, whatever else. So the, he was that big that the tip of his spear alone weighed about seven kilos. Have you got any idea how much seven kilos? Some of you are like in old money, aren't you? What is it? How many, how many pounds in a kilo? Is it 2.2? 2. About seven bags of sugar, just the tip of his spear, this guy. So David comes along. Um, it's a whole long story. It is really worth reading. But David comes along and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The fact that he, <laughs> the fact that he was uncircumcised, there is a relevance which I'm not going to go into right at this moment. Um, I see all you men crossing your legs. I get it. I get it. So um, anyway, this is, uh, this is then what happens. Okay. Don't worry, the, the circumcision part gets left behind. One moment. One moment. <laughs> Not so much. Uh, anyway. Once, oh, I'm in the right place. Okay. So this is um, then what happens. Over the page, of course. 
this. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. And he despised him, probably because he was glowing with health and handsome. Uh, and so David was just a shepherd boy. He was, meant, he was considered to be a teenager. He tried on some armor. They couldn't find any armor that would fit him. So he's going up against this guy whose spear, the head of his spear weighs seven bags of sugar, this massive man mountain, and he just goes out in his shepherd's gear. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said. And I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. This is trash talk. (laughs) Heavenly trash talk. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. Now, most people know that what ends up happening is David gets a sling. uh, He puts a smooth round stone in it hit uh, Goliath right here. Goliath is at very least knocked out, uh, and then David comes up and finishes him off. That, I would say, with man, this is pretty much impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Here's another one. A desperate dad's impossible. So there was a guy called Jairus, and he had a daughter who was dying. And Jairus had heard, he actually was like a, he was like a vicar of the day. And he came and found Jesus and said, my daughter is dying, I really need your help. Can you please come and lay your hands on her so that she'll live? And Jesus, my paraphrase, Jesus said, sure. Now, anyone who knows this story is from Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the four books that tell the stories of Jesus, uh, of his life. Mark Chapter 5, it tells this story. And what happens is Jesus is on the way, and then a woman comes along who has been subject to bleeding, the Bible says, for 12 years. Um, She would have been a a pariah. No one would have been able to go anywhere near her. She was considered unclean. So this woman wouldn't even have been touched, hugged. People wouldn't have been near her for 12 years. She'd spent everything she had. She says to herself, if I just touch Jesus' cloak, I know I'll be made well. With man, this is impossible. She tried every man thing. This is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. She touches Jesus' cloak. Jesus says, I feel power's gone out from me. Who was that? She comes trembling and says, it was me. I'm so sorry. I just knew that if I touched your cloak, I'd be well. Um, And he said, that's beautiful. You're well, daughter. You're precious. Go in peace, blah, blah, blah. Like that. In the meantime... Some servants have arrived. Because Jesus has been interrupted, some servants have arrived. And they have said to to Jairus, you don't need to bother Jesus anymore. I'm really sorry to tell you, your daughter's just died. Now, in that moment, I reckon Jairus was just about to get pretty hacked off with the woman who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. 
But Jesus said, effectively he said, you have already made your statement of faith. You've already said, come and lay your hands on my daughter so that she will live. Just because you've just been told she's died makes no difference. So he puts his hands on his shoulders effectively and says, look at me, look at me, don't look around you. Don't listen to what anyone's saying. You said, come and lay your hands on her so that she will live. I'm on my way. Let's crack on. Jesus gets there and he says to Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe. The God of the impossible, my words now, not the Bible, the God of the impossible is about, to do, is about to make the impossible possible. You're about to see it happen. So he gets to the, the house, um, Jairus' daughter. He says, no, she's only sleeping. And he puts all the mourners outside because they started laughing at him, sleeping. We know what death looks like. She's dead. She's not sleeping, she's dead. Um, but Jesus gets them kicked out. Good idea. When you're really believing for something, people who've got no faith, it's tricky. So what ends up happening is he says to this little girl, little girl, I say to you, get up. And she immediately gets up. And then Jesus, being ever practical, says, you're going to want to give her something to eat. (laughs) I reckon reckon that's earned a McDonald's trip myself. (laughs) I reckon that has. With man, this is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. So why does God ask us to do the impossible? And I'm going to do my best to explain this. Bearing in mind this goes out on podcast, there's going to be a little bit of visual explanation. So have a good look at this slide. Yeah, I'm peering. Here we go. Oh, that white looks really good on my screen. Sorry, everyone. But there are two, let's consider for a minute, there are two realms. The earthly realm, we all know about the earthly realm. It's the stuff we can see, hear, smell, taste, touch, etc. And then there's a There's a heavenly realm. Okay, so there are these two realms. Now, earthly realm is where we talk about things that are possible. Is it possible that I step off here and land on the floor? Everyone would say, yeah, that's entirely possible. You know, you're like, okay, yes, it is. Look at that. Amazing. But then there's this impossible realm, which is the God realm, the heavenly realm, where things that shouldn't be possible are possible not only possible, they're beyond probable (laughs) into this is just how heaven is. Okay, so you've got these two different realms here. And in the heavenly realm are all these things. Our identity is found there. In other words, God gives us our identity. Our maker gives us our identity. There is provision My God will provide all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. There is joy. There is health. There is purpose. We are fully accepted. We have right standing with God. There is a freedom from shame. There is forgiveness. There is peace. We have an intrinsic value that is bestowed upon us by God. So all these things, what we do in the earthly realm, generally what people try and do, is many people recognize that these are a life, a need. I mean, people need provision, right? So rather than rely on God to provide our needs, what God does is, sorry, what we do is we go out and sort our own needs out. We know we need acceptance. 
everyone needs acceptance. We all have that craving to just be accepted, taken seriously, understood, loved, etc. So what we do is we go out and look for those things in the earthly realm. And if we can't find them, we turn to other things to numb it, like drink, drugs, sex, buying stuff, Netflix on repeat, social media, news feeds, work. Some of those things, there's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves. But we're numbing trying to access these. So what you've got on your screen there is how we access from the earthly realm, how we access those things in the heavenly realm. So if, if I've got a dodgy leg, a dodgy back, a dodgy something, and I need healing, that healing is found in the heavenly realm. It might be found in the earthly realm, as in it might be, ow, oh, you know, and then like five minutes later you're fine. But it equally might be that that healing is found only in the heavenly realm. Do you get what I mean by that? Because if not, I can't really carry on. Because you go, you're going to... I don't mean I'm just going to stop. I mean I'm going to try explaining it again. Oh, that's it. I'm out. No, not at all. So the answers to these issues are found in the heavenly realm, not in the earthly realm. If you need freedom from shame, you can go and see a counsellor, and a counsellor will help. There's nothing wrong with counselling. But actually, for shame to be broken in your life... I don't think it's something that is easily humanly possible. I think that's something that with man this is impossible, but with God nothing is impossible. We've seen legs grow out. We've seen backs get well. We've seen cancer go. We've seen miraculous provision. We have seen money appear in people's bank accounts. We have seen checks in the post. We have seen words that people are, think that God is saying to them. They give that word to someone else and something breaks in them. We've seen people feeling absolutely forgiven. We've seen God's peace come on people that transforms them. All these things, they're all from that, if we could just have the image back up on this screen, they're all from that realm above. Do you, under, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah? So we, we all agree. Okay, that's, that's really good. So the thing is, now we, we'll keep that on the screen a second. The thing is, when we live in the realities of heaven... We can pull these realities into the here and now. That is to say this. I don't understand how this works. But I am, if you've said yes to Jesus, you are a citizen of heaven as much as you are a citizen of earth. In fact, you're more of a citizen of heaven than you are a citizen of earth. You're a citizen of heaven and currently your passport has been stamped and you're here on earth doing a job. You're an ambassador, the Bible describes us. Yeah? You get that? Okay. So the great news is, in heaven, that you're a citizen of, all these things exist as normal. Health is totally, utterly normal in heaven. There is no shame in heaven. There is no unforgiveness in heaven. There is complete and utter, full and total provision for everything in heaven. In that heavenly realm. Everything that we need as human beings is found in that top part in the heavenly realm. Everything that we need. 
everything that we could ever need can be found there. So the brilliant thing is, if you imagine you have access, yes, like as a teacher, a kid would need a textbook or they'd need a new pen or they'd need something. And anyone who's been around school knows the glory of the stock cupboard. The stock cupboard is great. There is, there are new rubbers, new pens, there are new pencils, brand new exercise books. That feeling when you open them up and you have to give the slight crease. Maybe they haven't even got a ruled margin and you have to put the ruled margin in. And you make sure it's dead straight because this is the brand new book. That. This is what we have access to. We have people all over the place who are in desperate need of an exercise book, a rubber, a pen, a pencil. We have access to the stock cupboard to be able to go and get anything that we need at any time. Okay, well, I'll be excited on my own. That's, that's all good. That means you come across someone who's experiencing shame. You say, I know what I can do about that. I can help you with that. You come across someone who's got a strange sickness and they don't know what the problem is. You say, it's all right. I know what I can do about that. I just go into the stock cupboard. I take some healing. And what do I have to do? Read the instructions. Pray for this person. Okay, well, God, I'm just this healing. I've just picked it up. Just praying for this person. They will get completely well. This isn't rocket science, right? We have access to the stock cupboard of everything God is. And then we can actually just simply, by faith, just pick it up from one place and dump it in another. Yeah? Like this. Okay, we haven't got time, so we're going to go straight to this picture, which you'll love. Oh, I do. Remember this? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So Indy's father has just been shot by the head of the Nazis. Boo. Um, And Indy has no choice but to pass through the three challenges to get to the Holy Grail. Who's seen this film? Like, come on. This is, I agree, it's an awesome film. The last of these is the leap from the lion's head to step onto and cross a bridge that you can't see until you step out. There is nothing there until that big foot, until you step out onto it. This situation here that's on the screen, this is impossible without miraculous intervention. It's fiction. Right? This, this story is complete fiction. But risk is compelling and it's adventuresome. If all we had to do, if all Indiana Jones had to do to see his father made well, he had now had no choice. His father's bleeding out, dying. In that case, he's going to have to go through these challenges, get the Holy Grail, come back with the Holy Grail. And I think he pours, it's, water, it's like water liquid in there. He pours it on, his dad's made completely well. He knows he's got no choice. But if, if life were, for Indiana Jones, his dad gets shot and he says, I just need to pop to the pharmacy and get some medicine. And then you come back from the pharmacy with the medicine, give it to him, and he takes it and he's well. I somehow think that wouldn't have been a film. I mean, it's not, it's not the greatest, is it? I mean, there might be a sequel coming, um, but I would, very, I would very much doubt it. It's about 81, 82 now. We are being invited to live a life of adventure pressing in to everything God is, everything that's there, and taking a risk to bring it here. 
That's what we're being invited to do. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is it in the stock cupboard in heaven? Well, in that case, it shouldn't be here. Let's bring it. Let's change it. Let's pray for restored marriages. Let's pray for full relationships. Let's pray for provision. Let's pray for freedom from shame for people, forgiveness for people, people's identity not being found by some influencer on the internet. An influencer isn't even a qualification. It just means you're really persuasive. There are lots of people who are very persuasive. Read the very early part of Genesis. There are lots of people who are very persuasive. It's not always good. We are so out of time that we are going to have to just quickly stand, pray, finish. It's the worst ending ever. It's literally the worst ending ever. I've literally just stopped mid-sentence. But you know what, God? We celebrate risk because we want to go after the impossible. God, we're bored of the possible. And it's great, God, that as a church, we're really good at like taking Doris or someone along to the doctors. But God, we want Doris to be healed on her way to the doctors. Yeah, we want that kind of thing. And God, we could give people food, but we want people to say, do you know what? I've had this miraculous provision of a job or I've had this thing. I was told I, it never would happen or someone's going for tests at the hospital. They have tests and are told, yeah, you've got X, Y, Z. And then they get prayed for and say, do you know what? X, Y, Z doesn't seem to be there anymore. I've gone for scans and it's not there. That's right, because with man, this is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. God, lift our eyes up to the impossible realm and let's make it possible. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk, where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week, and remember you're loved.